Well, hello, Overlake. Let's try that again. Hello, Overlake. Hey. Oh, I love it. Uh, well, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'd love to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. Uh, you'll see that we are continuing a series, God With Us. It will take us all the way to uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, that'll be the, the, the kind of the wrap-up of our series for December. So excited to have uh, this time together, 5, 7, or 11 on Wednesday night. And what we've been doing is talking about this, this little word, Emmanuel. It's the title, one of the titles of Jesus, and Emmanuel means God with us. And so Emmanuel means God with us, but there are some things that God with us means for our lives today, some, some practical things that followers of Jesus Christ, now because God is with us, this is what we have to experience in life, what we're invited to. And the first we talked about, God with us means peace. That because of Jesus Christ, we can be at peace, at peace with God, at peace within our own skin, and at peace with one another. Last week, we talked about God with us means joy, joy that is deep, joy that's abiding. We are set free to rejoice, and this is because God is with us. And today, we're continuing that series. Um, it is an old saying, better to light one candle than to curse the darkness, and it's this interesting thing about darkness, no matter how dark a room is, a light, even, even a tiny, even a faint light, fights back the darkness. That all of the darkness in the universe can't snuff out a single candle flame. And that's the truth of scripture. In John 1, verse four and five, we read, the word, that's referring to Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's very appropriate that we're talking about darkness right now because uh, these are the winter months, right? In Washington, it's very dark. We realize that we get, we get light, we get daylight from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day during these winter months. And it's especially appropriate we're talking about it today because today, the 21st of December, is the shortest day of the year. It's the darkest day of the year. You're welcome, okay? And yet, in the midst of all this, right, we want to put up lights, right? In the midst of this dark season, we want to light our yards and light our houses and put up a tree inside and light it up as well. There's a house out in Woodenville that I've taken my family to go see. They have like 100,000 lights, all blinking in time to Christmas carols. Uh, it's probably Clark Griswold's house. Uh, I, I kid you not, it is so bright that airplanes are looking to land on the, the yard. And yet it is possible to overdo it. I saw this guy's house out in Kirkland. I think his love of the Seahawks might eclipse my own. Take a look at this. I don't know if you noticed, but they do have the Star of Bethlehem like up and to the left. Keeping the main thing the main thing, I guess, you know. If you're filling in the blanks, the first one is God with us means light. God with us means light. And we see through scripture that God is the creator 
and the sustainer of light. His first words in scripture, by the way, are let there be light. And this concept continues bringing God's warmth and clarity into this dark world. 2 Samuel 22, 29 says, you, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. You see, God himself is our light. And Jesus says this in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So that no one who believes in Jesus should remain in darkness. And the question, what is so bad about the dark? You know, I can think of one thing, that there's all sorts of pain that's suddenly available in the dark. For example, if you're walking around barefoot in my house in the dark, you will step on a Lego and you will be in pain. I, I do want to say that if you're walking around in my house barefoot in the dark, that's just weird. Uh, so I, I would not recommend it. Speaking of my house, one of the things we like to do at my house is with my wife and I, we have three kiddos, we like to play hide and seek inside in the dark. And what we do, and I, this is a you know, fun uh, Christmas tradition, you, you, know, you might want to start, but what we do is the person who's it, it counts to 50 in a lighted room, and they stare at the light, and then they leave and they start searching the house with a tiny little flashlight, pitch black, and, and suddenly this house that has been so warm and loving and welcoming to them their entire childhood now looks like a scene from Ghost Hunters. And with that little light, they're peering into dark corners and, and around you know, blind turns and into closets, knowing that at any moment, one of their family members will leap out at them, screaming maniacally. And this will inevitably cause my children to require therapy at some point. <laughs> some families have a college fund they save for. My wife and I have a counseling fund we're saving for. Um, but you see that, that, that there's something that changes about darkness. You take a hike in the woods in the daytime, it's like beautiful. It's like the glory of nature. Same hike in the dark. It's like a scene from Friday the 13th. You see, there's, there's this reality. And so if you're filling in the blanks, the reality is that darkness brings fear. It unleashes fear. It, it, it brings out the very worst in our imaginations. You, you know what? You've never heard a, a child say, Daddy, I, I'm so scared. Please turn out the light. I'm just, I'm, I'm so frightened. Could you, could you shut the light off and, and close the door and leave me alone, you know? No child ever says that. Or on the flip side, you never pay to go to a haunted house around Halloween that's just filled with beautiful light. It just doesn't happen, right? Why? Because darkness breeds fear. Darkness releases the very worst of our insecurities and our anxieties and our worries. And then, by contrast... Light brings comfort. Light is what brings comfort in a dark world. And you can even imagine some embodiment of comfort in the form of a lighthouse. The actual presence of a lighthouse brings comfort to sailors who are in the dark on a stormy sea. 
Or you can think of uh, the lights along an airport runway, that, that to pilots that are navigating their planes in the darkness, those lights appearing are tangible comfort for them as they land their planes safely. Light brings comfort. 1 John 1.7 says, if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So the comfort that this verse is talking about is the fellowship we have with one another, not remaining in isolation, but in community, in this family of God, and then the comfort of having all of our sins cleansed. That we are now, this is his grace that sweeps over us, cleansing us of all our unrighteousness. So that's the comfort that's referring to in Scripture, in the light of Jesus. Look at this verse, Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Over like we've talked a lot about this this fall, that God is with us. And because God is with us, there is nothing to fear. That he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. God will not abandon you, he will not cut you adrift. And because he is with you, you don't need to tremble. He is your fortress, you don't need to be afraid. His light brings comfort. The next feeling is that darkness invites confusion. Darkness invites confusion. In fact, it's actually a, a phrase used to connotate confusion. You're in a, you're in a, a setting, maybe an office setting, and, and your boss is telling a story, and suddenly at some point in the story, everyone else in the, in the office starts cracking up, laughing out loud, you know? And, and you're sitting there going, uh, did I miss something? Was that a punchline? Uh, I, I don't even understand what just happened here. That's called being in the dark. You're the one who's in the dark. You're the one who's living in confusion. It's like there's a veil over your understanding and you can't see. That's the confusion of darkness. And even though this world can be a very dark, a very fearful, a very confusing place, some people actually prefer it that way. See, the scripture says this in John 3.19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So we know this, right? We just look out in our culture, our world, the headlines. We see, oh yeah, I know it's evident that some people prefer darkness. But when we also look in the mirror and we're having that moment of honest reflection, isn't it also true that sometimes we are the ones who prefer darkness? Sometimes we are the ones who choose to remain in the dark. I heard a story about an old desert nomad who woke up in the middle of the night feeling very hungry. And so he lit a candle and he began to snack on the bowl of dates that was right next to his bed. He took a bite from one and he saw that there was a worm in it, so he threw it out of his tent. He picked up a second one, took a bite of that, saw that there was a worm in that, and threw it out of his tent. And then he reasoned. If I keep going like this, I'll have no dates left to eat. And so he blew out the candle and ate the rest of the bowl very quickly. (laughs) See, there have been times in your life and in my life, there have been times, moments, and even seasons where we have preferred to hide in the dark. Because why? Because we wanted to pursue our selfishness. 
because we wanted to go after our own pleasure, because we wanted to hold on to entitlement or pride. We wanted to make choices that we knew would hurt others. And and it's important for us to realize in the midst of that reality that yes, this world is in darkness, but that there's also a kingdom of darkness. And there's a prince of the kingdom of darkness and, and he's been at war with the Lord and with the kingdom of God ever since we first chose to rebel against God and to walk our own path. But we understand that when we do walk away from the light of God, that confusion is what we experience. In contrast to that, light brings guidance. The light of the Lord brings guidance to our steps. It brings direction, it brings clarity. In Psalm 119, 105, we read, the word, your word rather, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It shows the way ahead. It prevents us from stumbling. The next verse there, Psalm 19, 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And so I I just want to stand before you, Overlake, and lovingly say this, the scripture is filled with light, that this is the word of God, It's, it's God's heart, his will, and it's given to us so that we might have light for the road, so that we might not live in that confused place where there's this veil, uh, misunderstanding, and, and just everything is vague and hazy and difficult to know how to proceed. God has filled his word with his own heart for you and for me so that we don't have to stumble around in the dark anymore. It's, it's his word and it's his presence that provide light for our life and What I'd love to have you do is I'd love to have you hear a story of how this looks practically worked out in someone's life. I want to invite my friend Chris to come and share with us. Would you please welcome Chris as he comes and shares his story this morning? Thanks, brother. On September 18th of this year, my wife and I's 22nd wedding anniversary, I went to work and was informed that my position had been eliminated. I was part of the Wave 2 company layoffs at Microsoft, and after working there for 25 years, four months, and 21 days, in an instant, my world was turned upside down, and my future was suddenly very uncertain. That weekend, I packed up my things and loaded them into my car. There's something about carrying your stuff in a cardboard box out of work that kind of makes it very real. So I took this picture outside my office to capture the milestone. And even though I smiled for the picture, I cried as I drove away, not knowing what the future held for me and my job situation. The path ahead was dark. I now found myself in the same situation that many other people have found themselves in recently, but I never thought that that would be me. Now, God has always taken care of me and my family, and while intellectually I knew he would continue to do so, if I'm honest, and I am standing before you today to be honest, Uh, emotionally I was scared, confused, and worried. Terrified, really, about how things would turn out. I had only ever worked at Microsoft, and so the idea of trying to find a job at a different company was foreign and very intimidating to me. 
Knowing my family relies on me to provide for them also added a ton of pressure to the situation. I deeply desire to honor God in all situations, and I especially wanted to honor him in this one. I wanted to seek his will for what he wanted me to do. Should I stay at Microsoft, or should I, did God have a job at a different company for me? The path ahead was unclear, and I wanted him to light that path and show me where he would have me go. Being a very independent person, this was a huge opportunity for me to learn how to rely on God more. Now, the way these large layoffs work is that they are required to give you a 60-day notice. And so for September 18th, I had that much time until I was actually terminated. If I wanted and was able to find another job at Microsoft, I had 60 days to do it. My desire was to stay. That would be the comfortable thing since I don't like change. But I really did want to follow God's leading. So I put out a fleece or a test like Gideon did in Judges 6. I prayed and asked God that if he wanted me to stay at Microsoft, then allow me to find another position within the 60 days. If he had something else for me at another company, then I wouldn't get an offer. And that would be my sign, and I would be content with that answer and start the process of looking at other companies for my next job. This would be God's way of lighting the path ahead and showing me which turn I should take. I was just hoping the answer would be that I could stay. So I embarked on a job search inside Microsoft, applying for about 10 positions. I did informational interviews for a few of them and went through full interview loops for two. About halfway through the 60-day period, the hiring manager for one position was very interested and told me he was going to make me an offer. Whew. What a relief. Now I could relax. I had my answer from God. Or did I? A week went by and I hadn't heard anything. I found out that in light of the layoffs, the team was reviewing all offers and open positions, but it shouldn't be a problem. So I waited another week. Then the news came. They were not going to make me the offer because they wanted to consider other candidates. What? At that time, I only had two weeks left before my 60-day window closed, which was really not enough time to find and interview for another position. It appeared I would not be staying at Microsoft after all. It was at this point that I broke down emotionally. I didn't want to be unemployed. I didn't want to work at a different company. I didn't want change. I felt like a three-year-old throwing a tantrum. However, I realized that I cannot ask God to show me his path, but then reject it when he gives it to me. That breakdown allowed me to fully release the whole thing to the Lord to really believe that he would show me the way for his best path for me. It was clear I needed to have faith in God's direction and timing, even if the answer wasn't what I preferred. A few days later, I heard from the hiring manager again, who had gone to appeal the decision by management and make the case that they weren't going to find anyone more qualified for the position and that they should just offer it to me. They agreed and reversed their decision, and now I was going to get the offer after all. What a roller coaster. I had to wait another week before the official offer came through, but finally, just one week before the 60 days were up, I got the offer for my new position at Microsoft, and so my journey there continues. So what did I learn from all of this? A lot of things, but primarily that God is with me. He's with all of us all the time. And when the path ahead is dark, he will shine a light and show the way if I ask him to, and more importantly, 
release control to him. Thank you for letting me share a bit of my story with you today. Well, Chris, thank you for sharing that story. And it's, it's good to see, right, that in a season of his darkness, that Christ was his light, that Christ was his guidance. And um, I know a ton of people who choose to curse the darkness instead of embrace the light. I know a ton of pessimists who focus on the darkness. I know a ton of preachers who love to shout at the darkness. But I want you to know that as I see the scriptures and I understand the purposes of God, I realize that he chose a different way. He chose a better way. And in John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So instead of wringing his hands, instead of lamenting the sad state of the world, what God chose to do was literally split history in two by sending the light. Jesus, the embodiment of his light. And how Jesus came was remarkable as well, in the least predictable way possible. He sent his son to be born of a teenage girl in a stable to be laid in a feeding trough, to be heralded by angels and worshiped by shepherds, to be lauded by wise men, to survive the assassination attempt of a jealous king. Jesus was born into poverty. He lived with integrity. He died a criminal's death, but he was sinless. He broke no laws. He didn't deserve to die a rebel's death or the death of a terrorist, but he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross so that darkness might be broken forever and ever. So that if we come to him, we might not remain in the darkness, but we might experience the light of his love, the light of his forgiveness, the light of his grace. And so he invites us to make that choice. Do we follow him and embrace his light? Do we invite his light into our lives? You see, the scripture says this in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's the invitation. If we choose to embrace him, if we choose to follow him, the Bible says that our nature changes, that Jesus is the light of the world, and then as we embrace him, he invades our lives, and we become children of the light. Not only do we need our dark paths illuminated, friends, but we need the light of God to penetrate deep within us so that our own darkness might be scattered. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. Or the darkness. And friends, I want to say to you this is the good news. This is the great joy that the light of Jesus has come into the world and it's searching into all of the dark corners of the world and it's trying to find you and I, individuals that are filled 
with love and, and purpose filled because God has made us and the light of Christ searches into the darkness of the world to find us no matter where we are hiding. I'm trying to keep the light above your heads because I know it's bright. It is bright, right, Amber? That's pretty bright, yeah. So not only is the light of Jesus like searching out through the earth and across the world and through the ages, but I want you to understand that when we say yes to Jesus, what happens is that we invite his light into our lives. Because you and I, we have dark corners. We, we have places of darkness within us where, where we sweep the secret sins away. It's sort of like we lift the rug and we, we push underneath it all of our entitlement and all of our pride, all of the ways we embrace rudeness and selfishness, vanity and lust, and all of the things that we would be totally ashamed about if it was on some kind of plasma screen for everyone to see. We just hide that away in these dark recesses. And it's the light of Jesus that comes and exposes those things. Not so Jesus can rub our noses in our sin, but rather so that he can sweep that stuff out. So he can cleanse us and remove that stuff. We embrace his light into our lives so that the darkness truly is broken within each and every one of us. And I just want you to understand that the light of Jesus did not come to bring condemnation. It comes to bring salvation. It comes to bring freedom. It comes to bring hope. It comes to bring the grace of God. If you're filling in the blanks, the next one is that it's the darkness that kills things. Darkness breeds death and destruction. We know from Scripture that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We see that the prince of darkness always brings death. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but... If you just recall the headlines of this past week, you realize that there is so much of this death and destruction that's happening in the world. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to join me in prayer as we pray against the darkness. But I want you to understand that, that we want to pray for light to invade and I'm talking specifically about families in Pakistan that are just, they're just right in the midst of grief, of insanity, that terrorists have come in and destroyed so much young life. I'm talking about the events of the, the Boko Haram, that, that they're continuing to be at work abducting young people and forcing them into slavery, both military and sexual slavery. I'm talking about families, even in Australia, Pennsylvania, who have survived shooting attacks this week, but their family members have not. I'm talking about scenarios in our own nation, New York City and Ferguson and Cleveland, where there is injustice and there are families who are heartbroken and, and there are folks who feel that equality is not being available to them and, and yet others who are just want to see peace come in the midst of unrest. We want to pray for all of that. You see, there is darkness in the world, darkness that comes to kill and to steal and destroy. But against it, light brings life. The light of God brings life. 
for you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. You might want to circle that phrase. You do realize that life would be impossible without light. That's why God started there. He's really smart. And so he starts with light, and then life is now possible because of light. Light brings energy, and it brings purpose, and it reveals beauty. There's all kinds of things light does. In fact, this week I read a study that was conducted by the BBC. It was called Total Isolation. And what they did is they took eight volunteers, and one by one they put them in a a nuclear bunker in total darkness for 48 hours. And there were eight volunteers. They all were, their brain function was tested before they went into darkness. After they came out of darkness, their brain function was tested. Every single one of them were 30% less brain activity than before they went in. Literally, biologically, we cannot thrive in darkness. Six of those eight volunteers, by the way, had incredible hallucinations. Just let me read this. It's really interesting. They had hallucinations of wet sheets, snakes, oysters, tiny cars, and zebras. (laughs) It gets weird in the dark, apparently. But two of those eight volunteers emerged with no problems whatsoever. I thought to myself, you know what? They were probably mothers of young children. Knock on the doors, like, what, it's over? Oh, shoot, yeah, can I take another 48? Like, uh... But I want you to see that the Lord starts with light, right? He starts with creation with light, and then he sends his light to bring salvation. We, we're talking about this spiritual reality that, that salvation is available After we die, there is a life after this one ends, and we are invited into that salvation, John 3.16. But I want you to understand that salvation is offered right here and right now. And that's what we have been talking about this entire month. This is what God with us means, that we have peace now. It's a part of salvation. That we have joy available now, regardless of circumstance. That's a part of salvation that we have his light now in the midst of a dark world, we can live fully embracing the light of God. Ephesians 5.8, for you once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. And so friends, wherever there is darkness within ourselves, we invite the light of Jesus to come and invade, to cleanse, reveal where we're missing the mark, and set us on the right path. Wherever there's darkness in our family, in our relationships, in our community, in our world, we recognize that Jesus is the hope. He is the light, and and we are called to be light bearers to stand for the restoration, to stand for peace, to stand for justice, to stand for one another as we try to introduce people to the light of Jesus Christ. Friends, realize that light brings us guidance. It brings us clarity. It brings us energy. It brings us life. It brings us comfort. 
And Jesus, and Jesus alone, is the genuine light who changes everything. He is forgiveness. He is hope. He is encouragement. He is love. He is strength. Friends, he's what you need to lighten your personal darkness. He is the light that guides us along life's journeys when we have more questions than answers. He is the light that dispels the darkness of the guilt that we carry with his forgiveness, dispels the darkness of fear when we take our last breath. He is the light of life. And so, friends, that's why in the darkest season of the year, on the darkest day of the year, we put lights up. We light candles. We stoke the fires in our fireplaces. Why? To remind us of the warmth and the nearness of God with us in the light of Jesus Christ. This light, this unbelievable, miraculous love sent from God Almighty to invade our lives. Come near. This is God come close, warming us, lighting us, invading our lives with his light and rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness. This is the miracle of God with us. This is Christ, the light of the world, come for you and for me. So what I want to do right now is I want to invite you to pray with me. And we're going to start by giving you an opportunity. If you have never said yes and embraced the light of Jesus in your life, we want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And then we're going to shift and we're going to pray for the dark, against the darkness in the world and and so we simply start, Jesus, by recognizing that you know each and every one of us. You know the journey we have been on. You know the pathway we have walked that has led us right here to this moment. We want to thank you for being with us. And right now, Lord Jesus, I want to give people an opportunity. If you have never said yes to the light of Jesus Christ, that you would do that now. That you would simply say, Jesus, I invite your light into my life. Please come and shine in all of the corners, that you would come and remove all of the darkness, that you would allow me to experience your comfort of cleansing by the grace that's offered in Jesus, and allow me to be a part of the family of God. I embrace your salvation, which starts in this life and lasts through the next. Now, Lord Jesus, we celebrate that, that transformation that's happened as as the kingdom of light has now been expanded. But what we wanna do as brothers and sisters in this family is we want to pray against the darkness in this world. We wanna pray for those families who are grieving the loss of their sons and daughters in that elementary school massacre that happened in Pakistan this week. We simply lift them up now. We pray for your comfort. We pray for your courage. Lord Jesus, we pray for grieving families in Australia and Pennsylvania and other places in the world who have suffered irrational shootings and, and just incomprehensible death. We come against that darkness now, but at the same time, we pray your light to flood the families of those who are grieving, the friends of those who have lost loved ones. We pray also, Lord Jesus, for those families that are grieving in places like Ferguson and New York City and Cleveland who have lost loved ones, who have lost friends. We, we pray right now that they would be lifted by you. We pray for peace in the midst of unrest. 
We pray, uh, Lord Jesus, we pray for uh, your justice to flow freely. We pray for those to experience equality. We, we want everyone in this great nation of ours to experience what you desire for us, and that is that we would see each other eye to eye, care for one another as humans, Lord Jesus. We pray for your light to invade the darkness. And we stand with one heart and one mind, Lord Jesus, knowing that we stand only on the foundation of you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you would continue to be the light shining in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.